Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 63 of the Stomp the Bus Show. I'm your host, Mark Harris. Coming at you solo today because this is an emergency episode because Ray Anderson resigned. Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson, who uh, was not beloved by the fan base, to say the least, has resigned on Monday, November 13th. So, you know it's a big deal because ASU beating UCLA in the Rose Bowl 17-7 is the secondary thing in this show. What a great, you know, three-day stretch for ASU fans, man. Wow. So, a lot of thoughts with Ray Anderson resigning. Um, my first thought is to all, all the boosters, all the prominent people or prominent boosters, uh, high-level boosters, and this has been reported by Sun Devil Source and Devil's Digest, that were withholding donations to ASU NIL because of Ray Anderson, open up those checkbooks, find the password for your crypto account, uh, find the shovel that dig, uh, dig out of your backyard for the apocalypse fund or whatever. I don't know, whatever analogy you want to think of, uh, start donating money to the NIL because that is so huge right now in college sports. It'll be you know, enormous in potentially retaining talent, attracting talent from the transfer portal, yada, yada. Because if, if that, you know, if that is true that it's been reported that prominent boosters were withholding donations because of Ray Anderson, Ray Anderson resigning is a huge deal. Just, just on that alone. Um, you know, it's, there's a reason why all, I mean, a huge chunk of ASU fan base had soured on Ray Anderson. And it's, I, I want to be clear. It, it's not like every single decision that Ray Anderson made was bad. I, because I, I like the hockey, what he did with men's hockey. I do. And he had done some good things with some of the non-revenue sports. Um, and I, I will defend the Bobby Hurley hire for men's basketball. However, uh, hiring your old agent, or I'm sorry, hiring your old client who had not coached in nine years and had never really coached college football was a huge risk at the time, an extremely puzzling decision by pretty much everyone looking in on the outside and ASU fans alike. Okay. This was very puzzling when the ASU decided it was going to hire Herm Edwards as its head coach in December of 2017. And it, you know, the Herm Edwards tenure may have not been as bad as people thought, especially in the beginning, as, you know, it may have not gone exactly the way people thought it would, but it still ended in a disaster regardless, you know, and so we can go back and we can, you know, we can debate about uh, what the 2021 season could have been, all this. All I know is at the end of the Herm Edwards era, there was huge NCAA sanctions and the program was just a mess. Oh, and by the way, you had a bunch of guys transfer uh, because there was no NIL. And this is after in February of 22, Ray Anderson goes on radio and says NIL isn't a big thing that we're focusing on. And it's like, I just, you can't recover from that. You can't. 
And this is why we are where we are right now. So it, this is a good day for ASU athletics, or it could be a good day, depending on how this actually affects the high level donors who donate or who could potentially donate to Sun Devil NIL. So I, you know, we had talked about the Doug Franz report about Ray Anderson resigning earlier on this show. We talked about it uh, with Ralph and, you know, Ralph's, Ralph's commentary on it was ASU boosters are playing a game with chicken with Michael Crow about Ray Anderson resigning. And just by, by not donating that put the, the Sun Devil NIL in a huge bind and you just didn't know what to expect. So now we know what to expect in that sense. And I can only hope that this will really help ASU's NIL efforts. As for Ray, it's just, I get, I can understand like how you could reach the conclusion of Herm Edwards, like how you could think of it as a possibility, but to actually hire him and not really interview anyone else. And then you're doing the new leadership model and you, you just try to out, outthink the room and it bit him in the ass. It did. Um, and this isn't, okay. This is not some ASU fan Homer opinion. Okay. People who follow college football, national people, people who cover the Pac-12, the sense was, how is Ray Anderson still here this long? You know, and he was a very highly paid AD. And I don't really care about how highly paid he was, but he wasn't doing a good enough job in football and baseball for that matter too. Baseball, he hired Tracy Smith, that didn't work out. And now we're still climbing out of it with Willie Bloomquist. So that cannot be ignored either because baseball is really historically the sport for uh, ASU fans where you have legitimate national title hopes, you know, not football, not, you know, not men's basketball, baseball. That's the one. And baseball has been bad under his, his watch. Like there's no, there's no two ways about it. So again, not everything he did was bad. I, I, I want to be clear about that because I do think, um, people can be prone to hyperbole, but I mean, with football, you, they should have just taken the bull ban last year. They should have taken it last year. Instead, you uh, mess up some of the momentum and with Dillingham's first year, not that, you know, not that had they not announced that this ASU team would be, you know, uh, seven and three right now instead of three and seven. I'm not saying that, but throwing a, hey, oh, actually, we're going to self-impose a bull man this year, four days before the season opener. That's going to naturally uh, drive down enthusiasm. Uh, there's, It's going to introduce like, oh, well, why are we even doing all this type of stuff? So like the, the bull ban should have been last year and for Herm Edwards should have been fired or resigned or in some way where he doesn't just get to keep $4 million that ASU athletics clearly need too. So that, that was a, a mistake made due to protecting Herm Edwards reputation. 
And it's just, that's a very, a theme with Ray Anderson. So I'm just, honestly, like, I'm just glad all the drama, all the angst, all the complaining, I'm just glad it is in the past, okay? Even if there is some NCAA investing, which, by the way, hasn't even officially happened yet. Even if there is some NCAA investigation that, or uh, ruling, not investigation, uh, that drops whatever in the next month or how, whenever it drops, at least you, at least like the people who were in charge at the time are gone. And, you know, maybe they wouldn't pay for it the way, like, I don't care. You know what? Like that's just me as an ASU fan. I'm, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I'm, I'm done. I'm done worrying about Antonio Pierce coaching the Raiders. I'm done with Herman. Like it's all in the past. And now we can officially close the door on that chapter of ASU football, which there was potential there. There was potential there. And I will defend the first two years of Herm Edwards coaching tenure at ASU. I think they, I think they were much better in year one and in year two, they were fine enough. Um, year three COVID year, but guess what? Uh, this staff COVID year, I mean, this, that's what screwed him. And you can argue that, Oh, everyone cheats, which I kind of agree with that. But not everyone cheats in a way that is extremely easy to get caught. Okay. That is the huge difference. If you're flying in recruits during the COVID season, when it was universally agreed upon by all the coaches to not fly in recruits, and you find a bunch of them, they're naturally going to tell, oh, I don't know, Utah and Stanford. They're naturally going to tell. Uh, other coaches that they're getting recruited by other recruits, you know, that are in the same recruiting circuit. So, I mean, they covered up the uh, like security guard footage. It's just, just, I'm so glad that, you know, all of that for the most part is behind this program and you can focus on the future with Kenny Dillingham. You can focus on getting NIL efforts corrected Um so, yeah, it's just, it's just, th th this had to come to an end. It just had to come to an end. And I personally am, don't love that, like, fans were, or some donors were, you know, their donations were contingent on Ray Anderson not being there. Because I feel like that's just kind of a move to spite your nose, or... <laughs> Cut off your nose to spite your face. I always mix up with that uh, saying, but I guess it worked out like the, like the boosters won the game of chicken. Okay. So by winning, they should flood sun angel NIL with donations because uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not good. Like, right. Like as of today, November 13th, like I, it's not like ASU's NIL efforts are doing great. Right. Uh, and Dillingham knows that, but it does appear like there is more money on the way. I don't want to say like a windfall because I don't really know what the real threshold of what it would be for uh, donations is going to look like. But it, it looks like it'll just be more than it was before, you know. <laughs> and so at this point with ASU, you, can, you just got to take that. Um, yeah. And so... 
I guess like, I, I don't really have like, uh, like anger, like all, you know, like I've, you know, I've gotten that out in the past. Like it's, I'm just, I'm just, the feeling is just like closure. It's just like, okay, we know this is, this has happened and he has resigned. I mean, I, I was at the UCLA game and when you have a good chunk of fans chanting fire Ray after you win the game at UCLA, like it, it's, the relationship is untenable. And so you can blame ASU fans if you want. And I'm, I'm sure there's some blame for them. But as an AD, if your relationship with the fans becomes so untenable that many of the, many of the important donors are just unwilling to donate strictly because of you, you have to go. You know? And, and again, I don't think Ray Anderson, like he's not a dumbass. Like he's accomplished so much in his life he like this is just this job was not for him okay and a lot of it falls on michael crow as well because ultimately crow was the boss ray was enacting crow's orders you know uh commands whatever so again that has to be considered and that's why like there's always the possibility of michael crow going big brain and trying to outthink the room once again uh in hiring you know, some third tier executive from the NBA network or something to be our AD instead of just a sitting power five AD or, or a Mountain West athletic director or something. But uh, and I actually have a good tweet uh, from John Wilner. I'm going to show on the screen momentarily, but I'm just, it had to be done. Um, and I will say this with Ray, like it, it, it did appear the Brian Ward extension I found to be interesting because that felt to me like getting something done before Ray left, you know, getting, getting one last thing in before you leave. Uh, and that had, you know, like Kenny Dillingham can't just magically give his defensive coordinator a three-year extension. Um, you know, like that has to go through his bosses. He can't, he just can't do that. So Ray deserves credit for ASU defensive coordinator, Brian Ward sticking around for three years. There's like, there's no argument against that. However, like the whole Herm Edwards era, like again, and we can debate about like, in terms of just the win and loss columns, it can be debated like, Oh, how bad was Herm Edwards actually like, duh, duh, duh. but then you add in the NCAA results and the investigation that followed and the NI, this, the, the mass exodus of players from ASU and you see many of them still succeeding in college football, like Jaden Daniels at LSU, Ricky Pearsall, Johnny Wilson. Um, you see all them succeeding and you had, you put in a good, a decent chunk of guys in the NFL following that 2021 season. And then it just all falls apart under Herm Edwards watch. And look, Ray would have gotten a ton of credit if the Herm Edwards era had worked out because no one really expected it to work out, but then it didn't work out. And when you go on the limb and you make a hire that nobody else was going to make, that is the key thing. No power five program was, was thinking, you know what? Let's hire Herm Edwards right off the ESPN set to be our head college football coach. Nobody was making that decision. And so when you do make that decision, you have to live with the results of it. Okay. 
you have to, and I mean, like he tied his career to the Herm Edwards hire. Like there's just no, like, or at least his reputation to the Herm Edwards hire. And the Herm Edwards hire didn't work. Okay. We, you know, you could point to specific things here and there that were better than expected, but ultimately it did not work. Didn't, maybe it didn't work for the exact reasons people thought, you know, maybe like, again, he, he, Herm Edwards did decently well his first few years in Tempe, but it fell apart. It fell apart for a lot of reasons that were just not really like, uh, either understanding or enforcing the details of college football. And, you know, this is where, you know, it's left us where we are now. And, uh, you know, there's a good chance we win, you know, we go three and nine both years. And that's due to the end of the Herm Edwards era. You know, it's due to the, um, just the high or, just a brazen, you know, cheating scandal that got them. And that's all there is to it. Like we, we, you know, you can point to things like, oh, we added all these sports. And again, like that alone is a good achievement. What he did with hockey is a good achievement. However, you can't, you, you can't just ignore hiring a old client as your college football coach, when nobody else wanted him and, and he had never co or I'm sorry, he hadn't never coached college football. He coached college football for one year as a defensive backs coach in the late eighties. So he essentially had never coached college football. And then when it doesn't work out, you have to like, eventually it falls back to you. So, and again, I haven't even mentioned the, mentioned the Bart Ware stuff with uh, Bobby Hurley's wife, how the booster sexually assault, sexually assaulted Bobby Hurley's wife and like continued to be part of the ASU like donor class or just continued to be a part of like ASU athletics tangentially, obviously not like officially, but you know, that has to be mentioned as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's things I'm forgetting too. So like, uh, ultimately, you know, as I just wrap it up to the people out there who are, uh, who weren't going to donate to NIL, but said they were going to once Ray left today is your lucky day. So, uh, on to the next athletic director. Uh, the, the guy I, my personal recommendation is the guy at San Diego state. I think his name is JD Wicker. I have to look that up. John David Wicker. Yes. Director of intercollegiate athletics at San Diego state. I mean, he look he, with him. You have a generally successful football program. I know they're not good now, but a generally successful football program and a generally successful men's basketball program. Oh, they also have generally like they're, they're also good at other sports too. You know, but obviously those are the two big ones. I've been good at women's basketball too. And the other thing is he he's just proven he's a successful athletic director. So that is my choice. I know there are people uh, mentioning some other names out there. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be some athletic director, you know, 
I know what's going on around the rest of the country in terms of who's like a very good and not good AD among lower level schools that will that we would likely be hiring from. Okay. But JD Wicker at San Diego State should be high on the list for ASU. He should be. Um what's the button I'm looking for here? I am trying to share a tweet on my screen. There we go. And this is it. Okay. So this is a tweet from John Wilner. It's a quote tweet of uh, Chris Cartman's report that Ray Anderson has resigned. John Wilner, obviously a uh, Pac-12 journalist, knows what he's talking about for the most part. Michael Crow will have no shortage of good candidates. Question is whether he hires any of them. Must pick someone with extensive background in college sports and resist the temptation to be, quote, innovative with the selection. I 100% agree with John Wilner there. Do not go big brain. Do not try to outthink the room. Just look at the college landscape. You know, the lower levels, whether it's Mountain West or Heck, maybe you can get, you know, uh, Pat Chun from Wazoo now that they're having issues. Or maybe you can get someone like a current ACC or Big 12 athletic director or something to come to Tempe. But it has to be someone who has done the job before. Okay. I don't, I don't want to take a risk. I don't want, I don't want to outthink the room. That's the key phrase. I do not want to outthink the room. Just hire someone who has done the job before. You, you know, that's what University of Washington, they recently just hired uh, the athletic director from Tulane. Guess what? He had been a pretty decent athletic director at Tulane before. Seems just seems like a pretty good hire. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, and, and it, there's just so many like administrative, administrative things, um, understanding of NIL and adaption to NIL. Uh, just experience hiring coaches, all of those things. Like you need to have done the job before. Okay. So that's what I want. The name JD Wicker. That's, that's my uh, low researched suggestion, researched suggestion. Um, and hopefully, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen, but Michael Crow just he needs to just look at the landscape and just pick someone who's done the job before. Because the football coach hire already looks good, you know. And you can praise Ray for that. You can say Ray just got out of the way and let it happen with Dillingham coming there. Whatever. You know, you you can make arguments for both sides. Ultimately, Dillingham is here in place and he's done he looks like he looks promising because that was a big win at ucla a big win and the swinging gate formation that they used is just it's so it is such a good sign for his future at asu and or just as a head coach in general because it shows that he developed a, a game plan to win that game 
he didn't go down with all his normal, you know, all the normal plays that we run being like, this is what we do. This is our offense. So we're going to do this. No, that wouldn't have worked. We saw what the offensive line looked like against a good defensive line last week in Salt Lake city. And while, you know, Jacob Conover not playing, not playing well, <laughs> just leave it at that obviously impacted the score. The offensive line was also overmatched. UCLA has a very good defensive line. The Murphy twins are good. Uh, Layatu Latu might be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And they just decided to mitigate by running, <laughs> by running, by running the swinging gate formation. And it didn't even work like that well, but it just kind of kept UCLA, UCLA off balance. Um, and eventually, I mean, eventually it won out for them because it just generated a few, a few big plays and 17 points happened to be enough. Um, because this defense, I mean, the defense was incredible and, oh, UCLA is playing a third string quarterback. Oh, you know, guess what? ASU is also playing a third string quarterback. I mean, it, Two, like, fourth down stops early in the game just totally set the tone for this. Uh, UCLA did move the ball, but, I mean, this defense just, it just wouldn't let them get in any rhythm. So I'm just going to look through the beginning of this game. <clears throat> UCLA picks up uh, maybe a first down or two. Third and four, guess what? Colin Schley gets sacked. So, force a pun. ASU throws a bad pick that was clearly a miscommunication by Borgay in the end zone. 43-play drive, doesn't even matter. UCLA drives, eight plays, 58 yards. Fumble, recovered by ASU, still zero points. ASU capitalized on that. Field goal, 3-0. UCLA drives down to the one-yard line. Stuffed. Goal line stand. Another short short punt. UCLA in the red zone. Stuffed again. Another punt by ASU. Guess what? ASU defense forces a punt. In the first drive of the second half, ASU defense forces a punt. Second drive of the second half for UCLA, ASU defense forces a punt. Third drive of the second half for UCLA. Now we're into the fourth quarter. Uh you know, fourth and two at ASU 37, Carson Steele run for one yard, another stop. And then after that, UCLA gets a touchdown drive. But by then, ASU was up 10 nothing, And then uh, by then it was basically over because ASU scored a touchdown after that. And ASU's two touchdown drives, I mean, what a game from Pam Scadaboo and Elijah Badger. And Borgay, Borgay made some big throws in there too, but I mean, those two were just outstanding. Scadaboo throwing a touchdown to Badger, and it wasn't some screen. It was literally throwing over the middle to Badger, who was fairly well covered, and it's it's a touchdown. And it's one of the craziest plays I've seen. I mean, Dillingham just starting everyone, putting in everyone at quarterback. You had Jalen Conyers was technically the starting quarterback for this game. Bourget, obviously. Um, Scadaboo took a bunch of snaps, had a punt in there as well. And then, you know, if you look at the uh if you look at the box score, I mean, it was just 
the passing game wasn't that smooth, but they just threw to Elijah Badger. Uh, 12 catches, 116 yards. And he was just so big. I mean, a fourth down reception on ASU's final scoring drive of the night, that pretty much put the game out of reach. Uh, It continued a scoring drive for ASU that uh, continued a scoring drive for ASU that, well, ended in a score. So continued a would-be scoring drive for ASU. So, I mean, just huge. Badger was just incredible in this game. And it didn't really feel like ASU was running the ball well, uh, in part because Borgay took a bunch of lost yardage at the end of the game that went down against the rushing. But, I mean, 12 carries for 61 yards for Scadaboo against this UCLA de- defense, you'll take it. Um, <clears throat> look, I mean, it's not like ASU's offense was incredible. Like, in the end, they still scored 17 points. But it's just Dillingham just had such a great game plan for this. Just literally pulled out all the stops, pulled out all the stops, and the guys executed it pretty well, again, against a good defense. It was a rock fight in the first half, but they still went into the half with a lead, you know. And getting those goal line stops, red zone stops, were just enormous. I mean, Deshaun Mallory – had an excellent game. One Pac-12 Defender of the Week. Incredible game. Just absolutely incredible. Look at his stat line. Led ASU in tackles as a defensive tackle, which is insane. Had two, two passes broken up. Six solo tackles. Half a sack. Half a tackle for loss. Incredible. Incredible. Just an absolutely incredible game by Deshaun Mallory, who has been such a great pickup out of the transfer portal. Uh, Tate Romney, good game. Three tackles, one sack, tackle for loss. Clayton Smith, another sack. Elijah O'Neal getting half a sack. Only three sacks on the game. Schley is a good runner. I'll give him that. Like, he is legitimately a good runner. But, man. And this would be a tough game to lose if you're a UCLA fan. Because UCLA had its opportunities in this game. And some of ASU's defensive uh, prowess was due to some bad play calling by UCLA, but you know what? You take it. Okay. If, and you do not have to apologize going into another team stadium, a team in UCLA that is six and four and will be going to a bowl game. You do not have to apologize to them for holding them to seven points. I don't care what status, uh, what condition Chip Kelly was in calling those plays, but uh, just an incredible win. And it just makes me so it just makes me so confident in doing him in the future. Because this guy, this guy wants to win. He wants to win every game and he is flexible. He won't, he's not rigid. We've seen that this year. This dude will change his change his game plan uh from week to week, keeps opposing teams off balance. Because there's no possible way that you know, Dayton Lynn, who is the UCLA defensive coordinator. He's really good. Like he's he's just been an incredible hire for them this year. What could he have done to prepare for this game? They they literally showed a formation that they didn't show at all, or not at least on a consistent basis. So you you basically like mitigated the uh, UCLA's defensive line, and 
I don't think ASU got sacked the entire night. Uh, it says two sacks. But it was not... It wasn't like this huge theme of Borgay always being under pressure because they just called it in a way that it's like, oh, we're just going to throw it out to Badger for maybe it's only a three-yard game, but it moves the chains. And, of course, all of this is done because of the defense. You can get away with running a game plan like this because of the defense just being outstanding. And I was telling, uh, I was telling my friend Connor on the drive home yesterday – that I feel vindicated in picking ASU to go six and six this year. I do. Because when you look at some of these losses early in the season, again, Oklahoma state, you were up at half. And again, let's not, let's throw that one out. Cause they ended up losing by 12 points. Cal and Colorado, both very winnable games. UW, that was a winnable game. So that's three games right there. Let's just say you go two and one, then you have, you'd be a uh, five and five right now. Right. If you had five. Uh, I think so. I don't know. I'm kind of tired today, but uh, if, yeah, you, you're three and three and seven overall, if you'd won Cal and Colorado, you would be five and five. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, that would be huge. And this team is just playing well, you know, they've won two of their last three games. And the only game they didn't win, again, was on the road at Utah, which would have been a tough – that'd be a tough place to win no matter what. On the road at Utah and and uh, Conover played in that game. So, like, it's just a lot of things that weren't going your way. But you beat Wazoo. You look great against Washington. Um, and the defense just – has there there've just been so many games this year where you uh leave the game afterwards and the, and you're like man defense played well like it's just so many games and even the Fresno State game there's just been so many games this year where you're like man the defense played well and i mean the UCLA game was just the the culmination of that just to allow a Chip Kelly coach team to only score 7 points is incredible and so i tweeted out uh on the night of the game what an incredible win defense was lights out Offense had its struggles, but you love the innovation with the banged up offensive line against a good defense. It feels like this team has one more win in it. Now, do I think that win will be next weekend against Oregon? I do not. Oregon is playing very well. Uh, they look like right now the best team in the Pac-12. We'll see how it all shakes out in the championship game. Washington did beat them. I know, you know, I know it was a close game, but Washington did beat them. But anyway. Uh, you know, ASU is a big underdog in this game. I'm just expecting for competitive, you know, competence against Oregon. Against U of A, um, it's a lot. I think it's a lot more likely now that ASU beats U of A than it was entering this weekend. Um, I thought U of A was going to cover in Colorado easily. And they needed a last second field goal to win. Now they got it. And they again, they deserve to win. U of A is a better team than ASU, even if ASU beats them in the Territorial Cup, okay? That is just 100% true. But that doesn't mean ASU can't beat them in one game. And ASU has already done that against UCLA. So, you know, I mean, ASU's defensive line is 
good. It's good. And for a guy like Fafita, that could, you know, who's diminutive, small compared to other college football starting quarterbacks. Uh, maybe that's an issue. I don't know. You know, again, U of A is good. They will be a deserved favorite in that game, but it does feel like this ASU team has one more win in it. And ending this season with the win over U of A would be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, so it's a lot of football talk, uh, but after the events of the last three days, it it feels like there is real, like the hope is really coming in for uh, ASU fans. So, you know, we'll see if anything, you know, who knows how it'll all turn out, but uh, Ray Anderson has resigned. ASU just, I don't want to say even that look good against UCLA. I mean, their defense did, but ASU found a gutty way to win against UCLA. And, you know, if you had told me that, after the Colorado game that we'd be sitting here on November 13th is she would have uh, wins over Wazoo and UCLA and Ray Anderson um, would have resigned. I would have been happy with that. So where we're at in terms of football, want to talk about some of the other sports um, men's basketball. <laughs> you know, I thought it was funny how Colton and I talking about all this you know, generally positive things about the men's basketball team. And we were smart to say, you know, none of this change, like whether they win or lose against Mississippi State, this doesn't really change our opinion of the team. And good thing we qualified that because, whoo, they look bad against Mississippi State. That did not look, uh, that was just clunky. And, you know, Mississippi State was a tournament team last year. They looked to be a decent team this year. Uh, you need to hope the Bulldogs continue to win because that was, a, that was an ugly loss for ASU. However, they bounced back. They beat Texas Southern over the weekend, got revenge for last year. Uh, and so at least in terms of teams that you're supposed to beat, ASU has not uh, crapped the bed against the, one of them yet. I, I know they play UMass, UMass Lowell, I think, uh, sometime later this week. That should be a win. Keep kind of getting these wins over the lower tier teams, and then maybe you pick off a TC, you pick off a Northwestern, you pick off a BYU. So – uh, I would say, okay, start for ASU basketball, but there's a long way to go. Uh, Sun Devil Volleyball, another uh, two wins over the weekend. They are now 24-4. and four. Just, again, just a fantastic season for them. Beating Stanford, picking up huge wins over big programs, like ending the Pac-12 volleyball uh, competition on a good note. So good for them. Another great win. Uh, ASU soccer, women's soccer lost over the weekend to Santa Clara, but it was in the playoffs. So again, like another successful season. Um, and then men's hockey split with number two, Denver, and has now moved up to number 14 in the USCHO rankings. Again, I, I will always defend the hockey, the men's hockey aspect of Ray Anderson's tenure. And this team looks like the best ASU hockey team uh, there's been. So it doesn't look like, you know, they didn't look overmatched against a team like Denver. And that is so good uh, for this year and honestly for uh, future seasons in the NCHC. So really happy about that. I need to get to an ASU hockey game this year. I went, uh, I think I went to a few last year. Great environment. 
it, it is right now the best environment, uh, in my opinion, at ASU athletics is the men's hockey games. Um, Mullet is a great arena. And again, again, this is why I'm not completely lighting the Ray Anderson fire or uh, tenure on fire because there were specific things that he did well, like men's hockey. However, the decision to hire Herm Edwards and everything that uh, resulted from that overshadows that. And that is why he is resigning. So anyway, um, but shout out to ASU men's hockey. So that is it for today. Um, very interesting day in ASU athletics. And, you know, I just hope for the best moving forward. And I hope Michael Crow doesn't go way too far out of the box and hire. <laughs> I don't know who it would be like, <laughs> like the NBA, uh, the NBA like officiating crew chief or something or uh or like an athletic director from like an NAIA school or just some completely out of the box hire that he yeah you know he wants to make you know Michael Crow does not just want to hire the San Diego State AD or the athletic director at UNLV or whatever it may be uh but I think that's the way he should go so we'll see how uh, that eventually turns out but uh, for now, that'll be it for today. So please like and subscribe on YouTube. Please rate and review on your podcast app of choice. And as always, go Devils.